little cool outside, but it's a beautiful day, and it's a beautiful day in here because God's people have gathered to worship, and uh, we're grateful that you're here with us this morning. We welcome our guests especially. You're very important to us, and we're glad that you're with us today, and we hope that God's going to bless you in a special way and that you'll feel very much part of our family as we worship God together. A few announcements I'd like to call to your attention. First of all, let me remind everyone of the attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask, if you would, to take those and to fill them out so we can have a record of your attendance with us this morning. Uh, Please put the pertinent information on there and check the appropriate box, and we would certainly appreciate that. We have uh, several things that are coming up this week. Uh, Lenten lunch, that has begun uh, this past week. We had our first Lenten lunch at uh, First Christian Church. Um, And this week we will be having Lenten lunch here at Community Baptist Church. Uh, If you've never participated in one of these, let me encourage you to do so. It is a wonderful, wonderful event. It is where uh, God's people throughout all of the denominations in Henderson gather together. It's an ecumenical affair. Uh, People from different denominations are gathered together. Uh, to, to observe Lent, to share in worship, to share in fellowship together. And what happens is we gather at noon on Wednesday. We will have a uh, brief worship service, about a half an hour, and then uh, share lunch together. Uh, like I said, this week it will be here at Community Baptist Church. So let me invite you to come and be a part of that this week and, and share that time together at noon on Wednesday. Also, we are receiving uh, monetary donations to fray the costs of that. Uh, so if you would like to contribute to, uh, to our, our, uh, our fund for the dinner, please see Jerry Wagner, and she'll be glad to, uh, to take that and to apply that towards the food that we will be serving. Uh, because there is a Lenten lunch on Wednesday, we will not be having dinner on Wednesday night. Uh, we're giving our fellowship uh, team a a night off. Uh, We don't want to overwork them. uh, They're going to be working really hard for lunch, and so we're not going to have dinner that night. We will be having Bible study on Wednesday night and all the other activities as well. However, uh, I won't be here on Wednesday. Uh, We're doing a pulpit swap, so to speak, Uh, Rich Martindale, the rector at St. Paul's Episcopal Church, will be here to lead you in Bible study, and I will be at St. Paul's Episcopal Church to to lead them in Bible study on Wednesday night. So um, please come. I know we're not having dinner. Come anyway. Uh, We want to have a good showing for Rich as as he's here to lead on Wednesday night. Um, Church game, our our game night is going to be tonight. Uh, I think we're going to be doing board games. Board games, is that right? We're doing board games tonight here at church. This is a time of fellowship at uh, 6 o'clock, so come and enjoy the fun there. There will not be a church council today, uh, no meeting today, no church council meeting today. I know we've been having that in the bulletin, but uh, we will not be having that today. Uh, and no choir. No choir, too. Ah, Phyllis, you want to say, yeah, you said you wanted to say something, didn't you? <laughs> Michelle will be setting the tables up for us for the luncheon on Tuesday. So I would like to ask all the people on the decorating committee and anyone else, man or woman, who could come and help us decorate the tables. We're going to meet on Tuesday afternoon at 2. 
Uh, it will just consist of putting tablecloths on. I have all the stuff that sits on the tables, and we'll have to put on napkins and silverware. So if we get enough people, it won't take us very long because we have everything ready to go. So I would appreciate anyone who can volunteer to do that. Two o'clock this Tuesday afternoon. Thank you, Phyllis. Let's, uh, let's stand and greet each other in the name of God and share the love of Christ with one another for just a moment.
songs. Bring them on up. You're fine. Come on up, kids. You help us sing. I want you to help us sing this song. face. Yeah. <gasps> That's okay, Mary. talk about Luke, okay, the book of Luke, and I've got some things here to kind of demonstrate what's going on. I'm going to need a volunteer. Anybody want to help me? All right, come on up. You can help too. Come on up. 
All right. I've got some stuff in my box here, and I want you guys to tell me, uh, can anybody, anyone tell me what protects us from the following things? So what protects us from rain? What is it? Umbrella. Umbrella. All right. Can you hold that for me? Uh, what protects your head when you're on your bike? Helmet. Your helmet. All right. Put your helmet on here. What protects you from the cold? Go ahead. Your coat. Put your coat on here. What protects you from the sun? Your sunscreen. There you go. What protects your eyes from the sun? Your sunglasses. There you go. What protects you from drowning? The life jacket. Let me put that on there. All right. Well, here we go. What protects us from sin and temptation? What? God and the Bible. Hey. Here we go. The Bible there. All right. Well, we're told in the book of Psalms, the Bible protects us from sin. Okay. We see this to be true at the start of Luke. Okay. We're told that after Jesus was baptized, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by Satan, or the devil. Okay. Satan used every trick in his book to try to get Jesus to sin. But every time Jesus was tempted to sin... Jesus recalled what the Bible says. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Okay. One of the reasons why God has given us the Bible is to protect us from sin and temptation. Jesus used it to protect himself from sin, and we need to use it too. So knowing what the Bible says will help you know what the right thing to do in lots of different situations. Okay, this is this is why it's important that when we read it, we need to read it, learn it, and listen to it, whether it comes from our parents or you learn it in Sunday school. Okay, God has given us this Bible to protect us from sin and temptation. So, yay, sin. <laughs>
was beautiful. Thank you. Our Luton reading for this week. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God, forbid it, Lord. This must never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your mind not on the things of God, but on human things. Matthew 16:21-23. As Jesus journeys towards his fate in Jerusalem, he shares his deepest, innermost thoughts with his disciples. He knows what awaits him in Jerusalem, and he wants his disciples to have their eyes open as they enter into this phase of their time together. So he warns them, I go to Jerusalem to die. Peter does not understand and wants to prevent the inevitable from happening. Who among us will not do the same? Yet Jesus warned Peter not to be an obstacle to his destiny. And so today, we join Peter in hesitantly stepping aside as Jesus takes another step toward Jerusalem. We extinguish another candle recognizing Jesus' temptation to turn aside, but he didn't. He steadfastly journeyed toward Jerusalem and towards his cross.
difíciles. Scripture today is taken from Luke, the fourth chapter, reading verses 1 through 13. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will be all yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you. And on their hands they will bear you up, and that you will not dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. Will you pray with me? 
Lord, as we go through this Lenten season, Lord, help us to remember that you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to save us of our sins, Lord. Lord, we know that he died and he rose again. Lord, we ask that you bless each family here today, Lord, each visitor, and we are especially the ones who could not come today. Lord, we hope that you put your healing hand upon them and bring them back safe, Lord. We ask that you bless these tithes and offerings to glorify your great kingdom. And these things we ask in Christ's name. Amen.
in that chair. All right, here's the deal. Marshmallow, for you. You can either wait, and I'll give you another one if you wait, or you can eat it now. When I come back, I'll give you another one, so then you'll have two. But stay in here and stay in the chair till I come back, okay? All right. something and then I'll come back. It smells yummy. It You can have it now or you can wait. Okay? I'll be back. Stay in the chair, okay? I'm going to leave and then I'll come back, okay? So you can either eat it right now or you can wait. Either way, okay? Okay. <laughs> How'd you do? Did you do good? You did? You wanted to eat it, didn't you? Yeah. So did I tell you to give you another one? Okay. I even have both. Did you enjoy that? Yeah. Uh, what do you think about that uh, that little video there? What what struck you about that? Could any of you identify with some of those children? Yeah, I, th I think so. Have you ever faced a temptation like that at some point in your life? Yeah, most of us have. Did you make faces like that? <laughs> well, this this video, of course, is um, is about temptation, but it's also a, a psychological test that has to do with uh, delayed gratification, <clears throat> which is a, a major indicator of future success. And the point is that if you go through life having to have what you want and having to have it now, 
you are less likely to be successful later on in life. But if you have the willpower to delay your gratification, you will be rewarded for it later on. If you don't, if you don't eat the marshmallow now, then you'll get two marshmallows later. If you don't spend all your money now and invest it, you'll have more money later when you really need it. We all know about that kind of struggle, don't we? Maybe it's not marshmallows, but all of us have our weak spots. Maybe that's one reason some of us give up something during the season of Lent. It's, our, it's a, a test of our resolve to not eat the marshmallows and to remember the fact that it was for all of those eaten marshmallows that Jesus died. But you know, even Jesus had to struggle with temptation. After his baptism, Luke tells us that Jesus was led by the Spirit out into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. Now I want you to notice that Jesus had just come off of a a spiritual high. He had just been baptized by John the Baptist, and he was full of the Holy Spirit. And that's when the tempter came to him. And that is so true of life, isn't it? Maybe you've you've probably experienced it at some time in your life. Maybe you go off on on a a church retreat or something like that and you have a a spiritual mountaintop experience. You're, You're feeling good. You're feeling closer to God than you have in a long time. You're feeling closer to other people. And, and then all of a sudden, bam! That's when you become the most vulnerable to temptation. Jesus was led by the Spirit out into the wilderness where for 40 days He was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days and He was hungry. Here too, He was vulnerable. A physical need needed to be met in His life. And so the devil took advantage of that and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Well, there really wasn't anything wrong with that. It was a reasonable response to Jesus' hunger. And he had power over nature. And there were a lot of stones lying around there in the wilderness. All he had to do was to say the word and he would be filled. He could have something to eat. But Jesus knew that that was not what he was sent here to do. His gifts were not meant to be used in some selfish way, but rather to do the work of His Father. And so Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. So having failed to tempt Jesus with fulfilling His hunger, the devil takes a different tack. He leads Christ up to a high place top of a mountain and he shows him all of the kingdoms of the world spread out before him and he says to him I will give you all their authority and splendor it has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to and if you will just worship me all that you see will be yours wow all the kingdoms of the world Who could resist all that power? Who could resist all that status? This is every politician's dream. 
And you have to wonder how many politicians have been willing to bow down to the tempter in order to achieve such dreams. Jesus was offered all the kingdoms of the world and all he would have to do was was to bow down to the devil. But it was too high a price for him to pay. And so Jesus answered, it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only God. So the devil leads him to Jerusalem and has him stand up on the highest point of the temple, right there in public in front of everyone there. And he says to him, if you are really the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels to guard you, and they will lift you up so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You see what the devil is doing here? He's twisting Scripture itself to accomplish his goals. I wonder how many times that has been done since then. And Jesus answers, It is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. You do understand, don't you, that this was exactly what Satan was doing. He was testing Jesus. That's what a temptation is. It's a, it's a test. Do I eat the marshmallow or not? Fail the test of temptation and you become weaker. Pass the test of temptation and you become stronger. <clears throat> well, Jesus passed the test with flying colors. But notice that Satan is not done with Jesus yet. The very last verse of that passage that Nora read just a few moments ago tells us this. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. You see, that's the way temptation is, isn't it? It's not something that you experience once and it's done. It comes to us again and again and again. But each time we stand up against it, we are better prepared to stand up against it the next time. None of us ever gets to the point where we are beyond being tested. Even Jesus did not reach that point in his life. Jesus struggled with temptations from Satan all throughout his life and all throughout his ministry, even to the very end. Just take a look at the struggle that he had in the Garden of Eden. I mean, the Garden of Gethsemane. He struggled with Satan trying to pull him away from his fate. In Mel Gibson's movie, The Passion of the Christ, we see the nature of the tempter quite vividly. This isn't a scene in the Bible, from the Bible. It's a fictional account, but it's it's kind of symbolic of what what Jesus was going through in the Garden of Gethsemane. And it was very powerful. Jesus was there in the Garden. He was agonizing over his upcoming betrayal and arrest and his crucifixion that was was coming just, just in a day or so. He was there in the garden praying when suddenly in the movie a shadowy figure appears 
and says to him, kind of whispering, no one was meant to save so many. No one can do it. It's too much. You cannot do it. And this presence whispers these words over and over, trying to pull Jesus away from his relationship with God. And then finally, Jesus gets up and he steps on the head of a snake that the tempter had dropped near him. And he goes off. The tempter was unable to turn Jesus from his calling. For now the tempter had been defeated. But the point is that even Jesus was tempted. Now there are several things about temptation we need to see. And the first thing is that temptation is universal. <clears throat> we joke about temptation pretty often, don't we? I know that I see some of you, I know how, how old you are, and I know that you probably remember Flip Wilson. The devil made me do it. And Geraldine, the devil made me do it. Made me buy that new dress. Said I look good in it. And Geraldine's husband said, well, why didn't you do what you're supposed to do and tell the devil to, to get behind you? And Geraldine said, I did. And he said, I look even better from back there. We joke about temptation because it's a part of, of, of the human condition. Every one of us has to deal with temptation. Some unknown wit once said that most people who flee from temptation usually leave a forwarding address. Someone else said that opportunity only knocks once, but temptation leans on the doorbell. And another student of human nature put it like this. I've noticed that women generally flee from temptation while us men kind of crawl away from it in the cheerful hope that it might overtake us. <laughs> There's probably a lot of truth there. And the fact is that temptation goes all the way back to the beginning of history, to the, all the way back to the first chapters of, of Genesis. I like the way an old spiritual tells it. Long, come a, long came a serpent, six foot three, them bones going to rise again. Wrapped himself around that tree, them bones going to rise again. He wrapped himself around that trunk, them bones going to rise again. And his eye at Eve done wonk, them bones going to rise again. My, those apples sure look fine, them bones going to rise again. Take one, Eve. The Lord won't mind. Them bones going to rise again. Well, of course, Adam and Eve did take one of those marshmallows. And paradise was lost. The point is that temptation is one inescapable fact of life. And it's no joking matter. <clears throat> Think of the tests that you and I face every day at work, with our families, with our friends. We are constantly making decisions, and some of those decisions are moral decisions. Should we speak the truth when a falsehood would serve my purpose better? Should we cut corners in order to maximize our profit? And what's a little harm in a little innocent flirtation? 
Can I stay on my diet? The list goes on and on, but, but many of these decisions represent one temptation or another. And should we give in to temptation, much can be lost. The philosopher Plato once told a story about a carriage drawn by a pair of young-spirited steeds. In the chariot, the driver holds the reins and guides the horses on the straight and smooth road. But one day the driver falls asleep. And so the horses, not feeling the restraint of the reins, go off of the road and they're bouncing along over the bush and the brush towards the edge of a deep pit. And a man standing nearby sees the threat and calls to the driver, Wake up! Save yourself! And with a start, the driver suddenly awakens and realizes his peril and he Hastily grabs the reins and exerting almost superhuman effort, he succeeds in swerving the horses to one side, thus saving his own life and and the lives of his animals. And Plato says that the moral of this story is this. The fiery steeds are the appetites of our lives, our desires, our lusts, our passions. The driver is the wisdom and the understanding and the intelligence that God has given to all human beings so that we might rule over our appetites and our desires and have dominion over our self-destructive impulses. Woe to us if we never hear the voice of our conscience the voice of God telling us to wake up before we destroy our lives. My friends, temptation is universal and potentially deadly. Here's the second thing we need to see. With God's help, temptation is resistible. The biggest lie that the tempter tells us is that we are helpless when we are faced with temptation. And it's true that we may not have the strength of Christ, but we can resist. But sometimes we may need help. Some of you are basketball fans. We're in Kentucky. All of you are basketball fans. (laughs) But you are probably familiar with Charles Barkley. Uh, Charles Barkley is now a popular sports commentator, a a funny man, Uh, But at one time he played for the Philadelphia 76ers where he was known as the round mound of rebound. (laughs) Kind of a big guy, you know. Charles is not only tall, but he's he's kind of big. Kind of, well, uh, Charles has always fought a little issue with his weight. And when, when Pat Croce became the physical therapist for the team, he instituted a new diet and an exercise program. Well, at six foot five and, and 300 pounds, Charles Barkley resisted this. He had no desire to lose any weight or get into shape. I mean, after all, he was a phenomenal player, even with his extra flab. But Croce was a motivator, and it, it didn't take him long to coax Barkley into an exercise program. However, Charles' eating habits was another story. He had been known to eat a one-pound bag of M&Ms at one sitting. 
And he had this serious love affair with pizza. And so Croce decided to take some drastic steps to get Charles in shape. He literally waited outside of Charles's mansion one night, and he ambushed the pizza delivery man. The delivery man had two pizzas for Charles, and so Pat took one and a half of those pizzas away, and he threatened the delivery man with serious bodily harm if he ever delivered more than a half a pizza to Charles's address in the future. Well, Charles got the message, and that season... He lost 50 pounds. Let me ask you something. Wouldn't it be great if all of us had a Pat Croce in our lives to, to give us a little encouragement and to hold us accountable when we're tempted? Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be helpful? That's the genius of Alcoholics Anonymous. They're there for each other in a time of temptation. Many times in the middle of the night, one member of the group will be called to come and to sit with a buddy to help him fight the cravings that would destroy him. And they all know what it means to rely on God. They know that the, the key to turning their lives around is admitting their weakness and, it, and admitting that they are powerless over their addiction. But they believe that a power that is greater than themselves can restore them to sanity. And so they make a decision to turn their lives over to the care of God. My friends, no one will contend that any temptation can be resisted without a terrible struggle. But if you're willing to reach out to a friend and if you're willing to throw yourself in a complete surrender to the grace of God, then the tempter can be resisted. But of course, one more, la one last thing. The ultimate key to lessening the hold of temptation is to love God with all your heart and with all your mind. That's the key. You want to resist temptation? Love God. You want to be able to stand up to the tempter? Put God into your mind and keep Him there. Pastor David Jeremiah says it like this. He says, over time, I believe I've discovered that temptation isn't so much a matter of what we do, but who we love. And he said, knowing Christ, really knowing Christ, not simply knowing about Him, but knowing Christ changes everything. More often than not, power in the time of temptation comes because we filled our minds with Christ's magnificence and there's no room for the world's shabby offerings there's power in the the name of Jesus and there's power in God's presence worship and fellowship with God actually makes it difficult to walk out into the world and to commit some transgression knowing that we've been in the presence of the Lord and that we're carrying God with us it makes it very difficult to sink to our lowest levels. So he says the best escape that Jesus provides us is his own embrace. And you know he's right, isn't he? 
The best escape from temptation is to turn your gaze toward Jesus. Leslie Duncan once told about a dog that he had when he was a boy. It was an unusually obedient dog. And every once in a while, his father would test his obedience. Here's what he would do. He would place a tempting piece of meat on the floor. And he would turn to the dog and say, no. Now the dog, who surely wanted to go for that meat, was in a pickle here. He was in a difficult situation. Calls to mind the marshmallows, doesn't it? Do you obey the master's command or do you disobey it? Well, Duncan said the dog never looked at the meat. He seemed to feel that if he did, he, the temptation would just be too great. So instead, what he would do is he looked steadily at my father's face. Duncan then made this spiritual application. He said, there is a lesson for all of us. Always look to the master's face. That dog was smarter than a lot of people I know. (laughs) You see, temptation is universal. It affects every single one of us. And some temptations are deadly if they're not reined in. But with God's help and sometimes with the help of a really close friend, temptations are resistible. And so here's the key. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Amen. Let us sing together number 446, Take Time to Be Holy. And this is a hymn of invitation. If you would like to make a commitment to Christ today, we invite you to do that. Perhaps you've been struggling with temptations in your life and you want the help of God to kind of bolster you and help you to resist those temptations. If you've never made a commitment to Christ, we invite you to do it today. If you want to unite with our church today where we will surround you and help to bolster you and to hold you accountable and keep you strong, we invite you to do that. Or perhaps you've been struggling with some things and you could use the strength of God to help you and we will pray and ask God to give you strength. If God is dealing in your heart in any way, we invite you to come as we sing 446. Take time to be a holy. Would you come?
Go with us, O God, in the shelter house of your protection. Let us dwell in your presence this coming week so that we may be instruments for gathering your people through the respect and love we show to all we meet. Protect us from ourselves and from others who would draw us away from you. Keep us close to you through your love and your spirit. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Meredith. Meredith. What's up, girl?